0: Blog
1: Talk Radio Welcome everyone to uh, what's the word? Uh, the show that's about finding out what motivates people to succeed in, in your in your in their respective career field. My name is Shival John and a very good afternoon to everyone. And of course I'm broadcasting here from Huntsville, Texas. And my guest today is uh, the founding member of the Manhattan Transfer, Tim B. Hauser. He's going to talk about uh, his uh, new line called "I Made Sauce, which is which is currently on a Kickstarter campaign. So, Mr. Hauser, I am very honored to have you on the show.
2: Hi, Cheval, How you doing? You don't have to call me Timothy. You can call me Tim.
1: <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, uh, let's talk. Let's let's first talk about uh, you know the sauce. Like you, you actually uh, you know you have you had have you haven't have, have a successful career. You know, one eight Grammys. What made you decide to, tra- to transition into, uh, you know, in launching this uh, product line, iMadeSoft? Well, I'm, I'm,
2: I guess the way I'm wired, um, and I, and I, and it was the same with the Manhattan Transfer. I, I always had this attitude about things I believed in, that if you know that, and I, I, I think it could apply to anybody that if 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 one really believes in something deeply. That it should be pursued um, until it's fulfilled, um, regardless of the obstacles. And I certainly learned that lesson with the Manhattan Transfer back back when I when it was originally just an idea in my mind. And uh, and I would sit around going, I don't know, you know, is this going to work? Um, and you know, in retrospect, you know, if you, when you become successful, people don't. They they see you that way. They don't see you, you know, the way you were when you were sitting around, you know, maybe doubting yourself or, you know, going I don't know is this is, you know can this happen and and that was a great lesson for me to learn that if you stick to it you know you can you can achieve something and with the sauce I didn't intend to sell it in the beginning I was. When I started, when we became popular in Italy in the late 70s, um, I realized from, you know, we were going over to Italy all the time, you know, once, twice a year, every year. And I grew up in New Jersey, so I grew up around a lot of Italian-Americans. I love Italian food, my favorite. And when I started going to Italy, I realized that the food there was different than Italian-American food. And and I was told that's because Italian American food is ancestral, you know. It's like your grandmother, your great grandmother's recipe, you know, who was an immigrant, and these traditions have been handed down in the family in America. But over in Italy, they've changed, so it's a different. It's 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 um, it's it's I don't know what else to say. It's more modern. I mean, the sauces, pasta sauce over there, it's lighter, you know, and and it's starting to become like that over here, but. Not really. It's a lighter type of sauce, and I loved it. And I thought, wow, I ought to try to make that at home. So I worked on it for like a year, you know, just a little bit of this. Nah, if that's too much, take that out. Put not needs more basil. Okay, you got too much olive oil in it, take a little of the olive oil. You know, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, um, when I had it, what I thought was right, there were people that said to me, it, it's so good. There's nothing in the supermarket like that. You should sell it, and it never occurred to me. So that was really how it began.
1: Wow, that's really amazing. There's so so basically you just you just did it for the love of it, you know. And then of course one of, um, and of course uh, one of those uh, who told you this was a uh, Frankie Valley, one of your good friends. Like yeah, like,
2: Frankie. You, Frank-
1: go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, Frankie, the way that happened with Frankie was he and I, we went to some party, you know, together once, and we went in his car, and I had my car parked at his house. So when we got back, I was, you know, we got out of the car, I was going to get in my car and go home, and he said, you hungry? And I said, yeah, I'm a little hungry. He says, I'll I'll make sauce. I go, what do you mean, you're going to make sauce? It's like, you make it from scratch? And he goes, yeah. He says, come on, I'll show you. And he sat in his kitchen, you know, he's chopping tomatoes, and he's chopping, you know, and I, you know, I went, wow, you know, and that was the beginning. <laughs> it was like, can hey, you really do that, you know?
1: <laughs> All right. Now, now you alluded to uh, the time, you know, you know, you went through a little, you learned a lot from your days, right, when Manhattan when travel so which you went, which went through a two different, uh, you know, periods with that. Um like, did you know that you were going to be successful at that time? And, and then, this is the second part of it. You like, how how did those lessons help you with the, with this Kickstarter? In you know what is currently going on at the moment.
2: I mean, some people will tell you, you know, with their experiences. Oh, I always knew I was going to be successful. I'm not one of those people. You know, I didn't know I was going to be successful. I believed in, 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 in what I was doing. I believed, you know, with the Manhattan Transfer, the idea of this type of vocal group doing this kind of music, I believed in it. I believed in it in my heart. And, uh, but I, I, I never imagined it would be as successful as it became. You know, I, first of all, I never thought we would become an international, internationally popular band. I mean, my, my sights were set strictly on North America, you know and and specifically the United States and Canada, you know I thought it it just I just never thought beyond you know that realm, and so when we got popular over in Europe, it blew my mind, you know I'm going i, I don't believe this you know um it was it was amazing, and now we've you know we've played you know, just about everywhere in the world, so to to say i I always knew that was going to happen now there's no way. I don't think it works that way. I think you, you believe in something. And so with the sauce, you know, I went out and bought every jar on the supermarket shelf. And I always tell people, you know, is my sauce better than your mother's? No, I'm, I'll, I won't go there. You know, I'm not going to get into that. But on the supermarket shelf, yes, it's better. I believe it's better than any sauce on the supermarket shelf. I bought all of them. And I thought 90% of them were, you know, not even were disgusting. And there are some that I think are really, you know, outstanding, superior products. But I don't think I don't think they're better than mine. I think I'm right up there. You know, <laughs> I, I think I have the best. <laughs> I believe in it.
1: Well, <laughs> so that's so. Of course, now uh, you know, with you, you, said, you said you talked about you do stuff because you believe in it. Uh, why do you think you know, like, like for example, the old traditional. Uh, you know, it in a sense. You know, go to school, do you know, get a full-time job, and make money, and then, then, then uh, w- work as long as you can until you retire, and then you enjoy life. Why do you think uh, so many go that route and not uh, follow with their dreams, per se? It's
2: a good question. It's a very good question. It's it's the old joke, you know, like the parent says to the kid, you know, you should do what you want in, in life. As as long as you're a doctor or a lawyer, (laughs) yeah. I I um, I remember my father once said to me. He said um, he said uh, you 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 should do you should do what you want to do. Um, But I I think it scared the hell out of him when I when I pursued this. I think it really did. Um, I I always told that to my kids, you know, and tried to instill that in them. That you should you should do what's in your heart Because that's what it's about you know I mean, you can always You can always go out and make money I mean, you can always, you know Go out and find some kind of job to support yourself But,
1: you know All right. You know, what's that line I in gotta, Bob Go ahead, I'm sorry What's
2: with, with that line in uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues By Bob Dylan, you know Twenty years of schooling and they put you on the day shift. You know, I think this. Uh, <laughs> you know. Oh wow! Well,
0: yeah. You, you, yeah.
1: You understand what that I'm saying? True. Yeah, that is true. I mean, but but, but now, now of course, uh, you know, with the soft, one of your hits that you had was, uh, you know, the boy in New York City. How did that uh, song came about, and what's and what is the process of songwriting?
2: Well, it was, it, it, we didn't write the song. I think the idea came from my partner, Alan. And Alan and Janice were really promoting that song. And they wanted to do one on our Extensions album. And I wasn't that sure about it. So, And I don't know if our producer at the time, Jay Graden, was either. So it didn't make it on that album. And um, it was a cover of a, of, a, of a recording that was done originally by a group called the Adlibs. And um, so when it came time to do the Mecca for Moderns album, we cut it. Um, The first time we cut it in the studio, we didn't get it. It wasn't, we knew it wasn't happening. And we were sitting, so we were sitting around, and we knew right away that it wasn't happening. We turned to our producer and said, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to cut it tomorrow. He said, I I know, I know. He says, I want to get this guy named Mike Baird this drummer. He said, I'm gonna get Mike we're gonna recut it. We're gonna do another session tomorrow morning. We're to gonna get Mike Baird on the session. If he's available. And he was. And he said, We're gonna do it again. And we recut it the next day with Mike Baird. And it was smoking. I mean, you know, it was happening. And you know, I think we always felt that we had a hit there. Sometimes with records you can feel it. It's just something you can feel, you know. I mean, I grew up with that Brill Building mentality in New York, you know. The way, you know, the old, the old style of how to make hit records—they don't do that anymore. But I always thought it was really cool, you know, that whole process.
1: Now, uh, did now did you uh, had a mentor uh, during your time, and also, how, and of course, uh, did you? Did, like what advice do you receive from from uh, others who have done a Kickstarter campaigns as well?
2: You know the Kickstarter campaign, and by, I, I just want to tell everybody the, the, the brand is called I Made Sauce, um, and, and, and you know anybody can go into Kickstarter and, and just type in I Made Sauce, and it'll take you right to our page. But and and the name came about because you know I grew up in New Jersey around a lot of Italian Americans. And and their mothers, oh, you know, I can remember so often their mothers, my my friend's mothers, saying to me, Timmy, you know, why don't you stay for dinner tonight? I made sauce. And to me, I made sauce is almost one word. You know, it's got the noun and the verb. It's it's all in one word. I made sauce, one word. You know, and um, it's it's such a common term back east in New Jersey. Um, but it was really my wife, Bob, that has been managing this project on a day-to-day basis. And that's, I think that's the key with a Kickstarter campaign is you have to um, – I mean, she could tell you more about it than me about that, but you've got to stay on top of it. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a, it isn't something like you don't know, just put yourself up there and you walk away and wait for the money to come in. It doesn't happen. I mean, every single day you're tweeting, you're on Facebook, you're emailing people – you know, you're trying to get, you know, you know, databases of names, and it's just reaching out to people and reminding people and staying on top of it every day. And we had a lot of friends that did testimonials, um, even a vocal group that was very popular in the 60s called the Dupree's, a doo group from New Jersey. And they, made, they had some great hit records. And they sang on it for me, you know, because they're good friends of mine. I mean... It's, it's, it's a whole, I mean, we've been immersed in this thing since it started. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, like a 24 hour thing. Yeah, all right.
1: Now, uh, how important, now you alluded to social media. Uh, how important is uh, social media for anyone?
2: Oh, I think today it's, 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 uh, it's, 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 you know, it's a new age today. It's a new way of doing things. It's, um, you know, digital technology transformed the world you know you do things online i mean like facebook and it's it's essential i think it's essential um for doing business when we start when we start the product when we get the product out which hopefully is going to be uh later on you know in the in the early fall of this year when we're out on the market and we're selling you know we're going to be primarily selling through amazon.com and in, and in one uh, retail chain, a very, a very, very prestigious retail chain in Los Angeles called Bristol Farms. Um, and, and what we're doing is we're just trying to show uh, the investors that are interested in our product that we, that, that we can show some good repeat sales. And, and, and uh, when we can do that, then we're going to get funded to, to uh, go all the way. And uh, when that happens, it's going to be mo- most of it in the beginning is going to be done online um, with our store. And uh, you know online retail is is um, you know is so every year it's becoming more and more important. A lot of people do online shopping and 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 a lot of that is is communicated through uh, social networking. you know huh.
1: Oh. That's really that's really key. That's really cool, there So so uh well let me let me play a little advocate here. So you said, you know, you're doing it through you're gonna start first through online. What if you can you know, I mean, doesn't it make sense to not make sense, but doesn't it uh, you know, think that, you know, for someone to start out they should uh go you know, go to the bigger baker chain store that has more distribution per se. Like a Walmart or or Target.
2: Um, it's very risky. Um, those kind of first of all, we have an upscale product, and um, to go in to, to go into let's say Walmart, um, I don't think we I don't think our product could succeed in Walmart because of the price it's a it's see we're in what's called the boutique market um we're we're a product that you'll find in whole foods um, and and smaller upscale chains across the country and there are many you know chains that are like maybe nine ten fifteen stores as opposed to as opposed to uh one hundred and fifty store chains that um you know, like in LA, we have Ralph's. I don't know if you're familiar with Ralph's, um, but they're I mean, you know, it's like you know, stores that are owned by Kroger, um, where you go in and people people buy pasta sauces like Prego and 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 Paul Newman's, and that's a different market, really. And and they and they're very cheap. Those are very very cheap products. It's like it's like buying a you know, I mean. I'm not putting it down, but I'm saying it's like, you know, a Ford or a Chevy, as opposed to a uh, a Bentley or or you know, an expensive Audi, and that's where we are. That's our market. No, it's a different different market.
1: Awesome. Okay, that that really explains everything. I mean, it does make a lot of sense. Now, yeah, going back to social media, uh, which one is your favorite to use? Well, I. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to that stuff. You know, I don't uh Twitter totally uh I, I struggle through Twitter. Uh yeah, my wife really helps me out an awful lot with with that. Um I I'm a Facebook I, I do a lot of communicating on Facebook. Um you know, I go in there every day and um that that's you know uh Instagram is still like, huh? You know, um, but my my wife loves photography. She loves to take pictures, so that kind of thing. She's really really dialed into that stuff. But I'm still kind of dumb, you know. So well, I, I go in on Facebook and yeah, I do my thing every day.
1: <laughs> now, uh, now I uh, now in addition to the Kickstarter, the you guys are currently, uh, you know, in a process is still are doing concerts per se uh can you uh, tell tell us more about that
2: well <clears throat> we still. i mean we have a fortunately we have a, a large international audience base um <clears throat> i mean we've been together like forty two years a long time and uh but fortunately we've got a, a large audience base so um I mean, we certainly don't play for the kind of audiences that we played for thirty years ago um you know but uh i remember back in i don't know what it was nineteen eighty seven or eighty eight we we sold out three nights at Radio City Music Hall. that's like you know <laughs> that that was amazing yeah. but um we certainly you know we play internationally, we're doing a tour of Japan in the fall. Uh, like I said, we're playing in Israel. We're playing in Italy this summer. We're going to be playing in Norway. Um, we got. We're doing a Christmas tour. We're doing Disney Hall here in Los Angeles at Christmas time with our Christmas show. So we really, <clears throat> we still have a really good, solid following, and, and we do a lot of concerts, which is wonderful. That's- you know, it's 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 great to have that kind of support.
1: Now that now that's that's why I call it longevity. Like like what do you think what like uh you know like how do you guys like continue to maintain that, you know, like connect you know, connecting with the friends, especially the fact that most of it now is you most of your friends are outside the United States.
2: Well, I think we do the way I've always seen it is that I think I think that our popularity is because we do traditional American music. We're not trendy, you know. Um, <clears throat> I was joking once with my son. My son is a musician, and um, he's an, into electronica, and he's starting to get very popular. <clears throat> and and I was kidding around with him one day about I said I said you you there's a radio station in Los Angeles um <clears throat> that plays you know what they call new cutting edge music and i said to my son i said practically every band that you hear on that station i said you won't hear them about them next year
1: <laughs>
2: and 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 i think to myself i mean that's a kind of a sad that's a kind of a sad statement for a generation that what's going to happen to you know people when they're you know people that are in their 20s now that you know when they're 50 years old I mean what you know what do they hold on to as far as you know you know any kind of musical entity I mean I I mean I grew up listening to rock and roll rhythm and blues jazz so I mean I when I was a kid, you know, Miles Davis was alive, um, <clears throat> Elvis Presley was alive, you know, the Beatles. I mean, you know, Ray Charles. I mean, well, I, that's what I, you know, I could hold on to that, and 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 and, you know, those people when they were alive, and I mean, even the ones that are alive now. You take like the Rolling Stones. I mean, look at, you know, there are a lot of bands like that, that that, that that's a, you know. They've sustained through through several generations. My daughter, I mean, there are a lot of bands from the the '60s that my daughter, who's 19, she loves. And I don't know if that you know, like I said, there are a lot of bands now. You you hear them on the radio and you don't, and they're gone. <laughs> most of them in a year, you know. And it's kind of yeah. sad, you know.
1: Yeah. That is- I mean, that is really interesting, you know, perspective there. Now of, of uh now last question. Uh actually two more questions. Sorry about that. Uh I know you've uh, interacted with many uh influential people uh during your time. Uh but who would but if you had the opportunity to spend one day with uh with someone you admired, uh past or present, who would that person be?
2: Jesus Christ. Awesome. Yeah, I, w- I would love to, you know, sit on a beach with him, you know, and, and 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 just ask him a lot of questions about, you know, reality or the illusion of reality. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but
1: uh, it does. All
2: yeah. right.
1: Now, uh, where can uh, we? Now, where can uh, we find out more about you know the well? Here, it's also about the. This is where can we find out more about the upcoming tour?
2: Oh, uh just um <clears throat> it's the Manhattan <laughs> I was I was let me let me let me make sure I get it straight, because I always do get this wrong with our website. Um I think it's the Manhattan Transfer dot net. But hold on a second. Let me let me um Yeah, for the Manhattan Transfer, it's Manhattan Transfer dot net. Um, and it's got our touring schedule on there. That's our official website. And and on the main page right now, it's got my Kickstarter campaign, <clears throat> which is very nice. Um, so, um, but yeah, for the Manhattan Transfer, it's ManhattanTransfer dot net, <clears throat> and for the and for the uh, um, Kickstarter campaign, it's just um, Kickstarter dot com, and then just uh, type in "I made sauce" in the search. Kickstarter is really interesting. You know they they funded they funded over a billion dollars in like five years for people's projects. That's awesome.
0: Awesome.
1: Well, Mister How uh, Tim, how, how's everyone? Say so thank you for joining me on What's the Word. I really enjoyed the the interview and and I wish you best of luck with with uh, with this campaign and also the upcoming tour.
2: Thanks, Siobhan. Thank you. Thanks very, very much for your time. Um, it's a very, very, very interesting questions you asked. It's, uh, I, I enjoyed this very much.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes. Well, everyone, uh, our next guest is uh, Michelle Sandlin. Uh, she is, uh, she's a freelance writer and you know, recently uh, founded her own company called Michelle Sandlin LLC. And she she uh, writes uh, two weekly columns for the <laughs> Houston Chronicle, and she is here with me right now. So Michelle, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks,
0: Thanks so much for having me on today.
1: Awesome. Well, well, of course. Uh, I you know you, you know you t- just had on uh, Mr. Uh, Tim Hauser from the Manhattan uh, Transfer, and of course, uh, you know, you might, many people might not know that you have a uh, you have a passion for drums. Uh, can you tell us more about that?
0: Sure. I do have a passion for drumming, and thanks for asking me about it. Um, actually, I think I've always had a passion for drumming. Um, and spent a great deal of my youth as an air drummer because uh, I was kind of told growing up that girls didn't really play drums. So at the time, I played uh, piano first and then guitar, but always in the back of my mind I um, dreamed about playing the drums one day and felt like I would have an affinity for it. And just about two years ago, um, we became empty nesters and had kind of an empty couple of rooms on our hands. And I thought, what better time to uh, pursue this dream of mine? And I went out, got myself a drum set, and started taking drum lessons, and it's true. I I do have a passion for it, and I, I knew I would, and uh, it's become a big part of, of everything that that I've done since in the last couple of years.
1: Awesome. Now, now of course, uh, you you know you started out. Uh, you you're, you've writing uh, about to a relocation for for 14 years now. Um, like, how did you how did you get to, How did you decide to you, to get into that industry?
0: Well in the relocation side of things, um let me backtrack just a little bit. I started out on the real estate side, working for some different real estate companies um in fact, my very first grown up job was working as a receptionist in a real estate company um when I was twenty one years old and I just kind of got uh, the taste of the excitement and um really enjoyed the the energy in a real estate office and uh took a bit of a hiatus um, when I had children went went back to work in real estate got my real estate license at that time and uh, was working in operations. but uh, I had an opportunity as most people do in relocation because you don't really pick it it kind of picks you or you fall into it it's kind of a, a default position if you will and uh, there was a, a real estate broker in in Houston who uh, had a need for a new relocation and marketing director, and we struck up a conversation a couple of different times, and she wanted me to come to work for her as relocation and marketing director, and to be honest with you, I had no idea what I was getting into, but what she described to me sounded like a really exciting position that was right up my alley, so I accepted it, and truly, I've not looked back since. That was in July of 2000, so here it is. Nearly 14 years later, and I have a very, very strong passion for for relocation as much as I do about drums and about writing and music and and everything else. They're they're all very intertwined these days.
1: Awesome. Now, now of course, uh, you know Houston. You know many people know, of course, that uh, Houston is the hot is a is a hotbed for uh, the oil and gas industry and the energy sector. Uh, like, why do you think uh, you know? Like, especially now with uh, so much stuff is happening in the in the area, why do you think uh, so much people are you know are drawn to Houston?
0: Well, that's really an easy one. We've got so much going for us here. Um, number one, uh, really, is, is the economy, which is fueled very much by the oil and gas uh, business, as you mentioned, but. I think one of the interesting things um, about Houston that probably a lot of people outside of of Houston and the state of Texas may not realize, and that's the fact that we're not all oil and gas as we were in the 80s when when we had the big um, oil bust. And we're a lot more diversified, and there's a lot of people moving into this city, certainly within the energy sector, but it's also very much so felt within healthcare, technology, Uh, manufacturing, um, the biotechnology, science, I mean, you name it. We've really got people moving here from um, all kinds of different industries. And when we had the, the recession a few years back, a lot of people moved to Houston for better opportunities, whether they had a job or not, because Houston was where the jobs were and where the jobs continue to be and uh, any company with um, a global footprint is bound to have operations in Houston or at least have their eye on Houston as a potential for future operations. Um, We make it very easy in Texas for companies to do business here. We've got the infrastructure. We've got um, no state income tax, which is is very attractive to a lot of companies and, and individuals. Um, The cost of living here is very comparatively low. Um, Even with our escalating uh, uh, real estate market, it's still a very comparatively low cost in terms of housing here. Um, You know, going into the groceries or or anything else, I mean, you're going to pay less for a lot of things here than you may in some of the other big uh, metropolitan areas like New York, San Francisco, Chicago, LA. So we've got you know quite a lot going for us there, and then you can throw in the weather. Um, it's probably about oh I don't know 85 degrees and sunny today. And I realize today's the 30th of May, but it could very well be the same weather forecast on the 30th of November. So um, a lot of people really it's true. I mean a lot of people really enjoy the climate here, and um, you know we've we've got uh, the ability to play golf. Year round and, and all kinds of things. So um, we've really got a lot uh, going for us, and, and we've certainly been what I like to call um, a bit of a well kept secret because, uh, you know, we were, it was really great here in Houston, but suddenly in the last two or three years, the spotlight nationally and internationally has certainly lit up. And uh, everyone seems to know our secret now, and so we're having. Extreme population growth that doesn't seem to have uh, any kind of leveling off in sight. We, we anticipate um, much more growth and expansion. Our our um, Greater Houston area continues to encompass a, a broader uh, area in terms of miles, and um, there's just everywhere you look, there's building and construction and cranes and you name it. So, um, a long answer to your short question is we've got everything going for us here right now.
1: Oh, no, I agree. I, I definitely agree with you on that because, I uh, I mean, you know, li- you know, living here in Huntsville, Texas, you know, which is an hour north of you guys, you know, on the Sunday Texas weather, it's, you know, it's very, diff- it's, it's really neat and, Especially, but of course, at times in the in the fall, winter time, you just it's like you don't know if it's going to be cold or if it's going to be hot or whatever. It's it changes so much.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. We're, we're right here with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: now, now, like now of course you mentioned you you talk about you know you know the metropolitan areas. You know, many might not know, or they they, might, they probably might know this, but that that Exxon Mobiles is moving their uh, headquarters to to the to the Houston area in the in uh, the Woodlands, Woodlands area, like. And of course, it's it's a uh, it's about to grow. That's the north side of it, very you know, big time. Like how like how do you deal with uh how are you dealing with uh you know many employees who's gonna be Transitioning into the into relocating to Houston from from that headquarters.
0: Well, you know, a, a lot of those people um, may be also moving from other parts of of the city as well. But um, one of the important things I, I think is is to point out here is that Houston is experiencing just incredible growth. Period. Some of it is is a result of relocation. Some of it is very organic in nature. And anytime you have a, a huge global company like ExxonMobil relocating their headquarters here, the impact on on the area um, of town and also the, the greater Houston region in general is going to be not just you know that everybody needs a, a place to live, but You've got to have the, the infrastructure there in terms of um, all of the, the support around the neighborhoods and areas where people are going to be living, which means that uh, the hospitals and health care facilities have really ramped up in terms of their expansion efforts. You've got schools that that have you know opened up. You've got restaurants and shopping and all kinds of, different support businesses that are very necessary in order to give people that are, are relocating to, to a specific area all the comforts and amenities that they need and that they require and, and want. And so the, the developments and uh, in terms of what's going on construction-wise, but also in terms of what the economic development organizations are doing to really entice um, other businesses into the city has been just just incredible I mean everything is just very ramped up and while there is a lot of focus on on Exxon in the northwest area of, of Houston there's also so much going on in terms of uh, relocation and movement and the swelling of the population in Fort Bend County and Sugarland Um I, I like to, people ask me, where, where do I see the growth or where are the most popular areas? And it's hard to answer that question any other way than saying it's really all areas north, south, east, and west. We're just seeing incredible growth in, in the whole region. And in addition to Exxon relocating here, it, it's hard to open up the newspaper or, or the Houston Business Journal any day of the week and not read about. Another company that's either expanding into the Houston area or relocating their headquarters here. All
1: right, now that's really great. Now I gotta ask about uh, how did you, uh, like, you know, you took you took a leap of faith recently by uh, starting by starting your own uh, company per se, Michelle uh, Sandlin LLC. Uh, what made you decide to do that?
0: Well, I think the universe decided it for me. Um, my, my dream for a long time had really been to um, focus on on my writing, and uh, I did have a, a day job, if you will, for, for a title company, and before that I was working in, in real estate for many years. But um, writing is really the thing that, that makes me the happiest and seems to has been the catalyst in really catapulting my career and kind of uh, helping me make a name for myself. And I've got a really, what I like to think of, a, a pretty unique uh, situation because I'm not affiliated with any company. It makes it very easy for me to pretty much have an all-access backstage pass to a lot of the, the companies and organizations and individuals that, that I'd like to be speaking to and writing about and I just um, see myself as, as a storyteller and reporter of, uh, of what's going on and I've just kind of carved that niche for myself but um, in terms of, of the leap of faith, um, you know, I, I probably turned that corner about 12 months ago in knowing that I wanted to do it but it did take a little bit of uh, of making sure I had the, the stability, financial and, and otherwise, in order to, to make that leap. And I guess one day I just realized that it's never going to be the perfect time, and if not now, when? And I just went for it. And I've been very fortunate because not only I have I had the opportunity that I have to um, have two weekly columns and a blog in the Houston Chronicle, but I've also been writing for the Houston Business Journal and Mobility Magazine and uh, Real Estate Direct and, and, and several other publications and corporate blogs. and Really, I've, um, I don't mean to go on here, but I've been very lucky in having some wonderful relationships with uh, individuals and companies in, in this city and, and outside of this city who have really tapped on me to um, help them with their efforts, and they've hired me on for different freelance writing projects or public speaking appearances or training and education opportunities for their staff or their organization. So I'm really busier than, I, than I've ever been. So um, it's, it seems to be working out, and I officially just started this on May 17th. Um, it's been on kind of on the back burner up until then, but um as soon as I switched gears, put it in the front burner, it's just gone like gangbusters so I knocked through it, I'm very, very lucky.
1: Awesome. Now now uh how do now now of course uh, you know, for for many uh, aspiring journalists, uh like how do you uh, you know, gain those uh clients, like, you know, for those who are Like being, you know, freelancer, especially, you know, how do you how do you gain those uh, clients per se?
0: Well, for me, um, that's that's been the easy part. Um, I'm fairly well known within the real estate uh, community, and the HR community, and the relocation community on a local level, a statewide level, nationally, and and somewhat internationally. So um, I, over the years, have basically, I guess, created a bit of a personal brand for myself. And so uh, my reputation and, and relationships um, has certainly uh, been a leveraging uh, point for me. Um, but somebody coming straight out of the shoot, um, I guess my, my advice for them would be first and foremost to write, write, write. Keep writing, don't stop writing, and, and put it all out there. Um, it's never been easier than it is today to, to put your writing out there for the world to see. I mean, there's no longer, you know, sitting in you know in a, in an office or, or your home and, and typing something out and sending it to a bunch of publishers and hoping they like it. You can just self-publish anything, whether it's through, you know, Amazon or having your own blog or or Tumblr or any number of things to be able to get yourself out there, but you also have to be your number one marketing representative too because uh, if you put it out there but you don't let anybody know it's there, it's going to be a bit harder, you know, for them to find you. But I think at the end of the day, what you really need is a a healthy mix of talent, um, having your own unique style, uh, giving yourself the proper exposure through, you know, the writing and the marketing and the promotion that you do, and uh, a little bit of luck thrown in.
1: That's re- that's really great advice there. And of course, uh, which like how important is social media? I asked uh, Tim uh, Tim House this earlier. Uh, how, did, how important is social media for for any aspiring uh, freelance writer?
0: It is of utmost importance, um, and I, I'm speaking from personal experience here. Um, social media was a game changer for me, and while now I have a strategy in the way that I go about it, when I first you know, joined Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter back in 2008, I think it was, I didn't know what in the world I was doing, I just thought I needed to be out there. And uh, it was a lot of trial and error. And um, what I found was uh, being out there and being fairly transparent. I know everybody's not comfortable with the transparency that that I'm comfortable with, but um, it allowed people uh, a little window into not just who I was on a professional level, but I let them into my personal life. I let them know, you know, that I was uh, pursuing different things in music, that I was a a raging football fan, that I was following the New Orleans Saints, that I was uh, (laughs) eating blue crabs every Saturday night or whatever. Um, They knew what what my my favorite teams were, my favorite meals were, what my favorite tennis shoes were. I mean, it it really... um, just kind of took on a life of its own, and I would find that uh, I would go to a conference or or an industry event, and people would come up to me and introduce themselves to me because they had seen something I put out there, and I guess um, it it sort of had a. A life of its own uh, is, is like a, a snowball. As, as soon as it, it started, it just kept rolling and rolling and rolling, and um, that was the motivating factor for me. Is that what I was doing was working? People were remembering some unique things about me that separated me from, at the time, people who were my competitors.
1: Uh, now that's really. That's really interesting, uh, and of course I will have to uh, mention that you know I'm a 49ers fan, so I you know I can't really say that much about the Saints, <laughs> yeah. You know. But well, uh, I don't know. know, but I but I do. But the thing about it is, though, they do have an interesting story, and I will, I will, and of course you guys are. Very, very, uh, you know, fortunate because uh, one of our former, uh, you know, uh, you know, Tennessee State alumnus, uh Tim Flanders, is, is playing for you guys. So, so I will be rooting for him to succeed, you know, you know, in addition to the Saints as well.
0: Okay, well, I'll, I'll take that, and um, you know, definitely a lot of people uh, see stuff out there about LSU and me being from Louisiana. And uh, it, it just seemed like the things that I was putting out there just resonated with people. And they felt like they knew me, even if they didn't really know me. And, you know, people want to do business with people they know, even if it's a perception that they know you. And uh, the the business just sort of followed. but. Um, you know, I have never been the type of, of marketing person or salesperson that ever asked anybody not in years for any business. I just develop relationships, I think, with the right people. And uh, if business comes, it comes. If it doesn't, that's okay, too. I, I believe that you, you meet people for various reasons, and sometimes those reasons are, are yet to be revealed, but um, I, I value very much the relationships that I have and I've been very fortunate in that a lot of my friends today are people that I've met in the business world and a lot of the people uh, that have been my friends have also helped me or I've helped them in the business world. So there's a lot of gray area uh, in terms of what I see as personal and what I see as professional, I don't have two personas. I just have the one, and uh, you know, no hidden agenda, just the one agenda.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, now I got to ask you, uh, which uh, back to social media, which one is your favorite to use?
0: Which one? What? I'm sorry.
1: Uh, which one of the social media platforms is your, fa- is your favorite to use?
0: Oh, that's, that's a hard one. That's like asking me which one of my fingers I like the best. Um, I, I would say that it's probably Facebook because you get to be a little goofier on there if you want to be, but you can also be very professional on there. I think it gives you the ability to sort of be transcendental in that way. Um, but the, the main things that I use are, are definitely Facebook, definitely LinkedIn, definitely Twitter. I do a ton of stuff on, on Instagram, although most of that is, is promoting uh, writing and uh, drumming, um, as well as, you know, as, as we all do, we become our own selfie artists. Um, I also uh, can say that, that, that the real Big one for me back back when was creating a blog um, back in in 2008 or nine when nobody was really doing it in in the industry I was in I just started writing started putting it out there and I had really no idea how many people were reading it and that's really what what first fueled um, or refueled my, my passion for writing and, and journalism, because I definitely was, was not blogging uh, like a Dear Diary. I was blogging as a journalist. And um, people took notice to that, including the Houston Chronicle. Um, we, we had discussions early on uh, before I started writing for them. And uh, it used to be, um, and still is to a degree, that when people would Google search Houston relocation or Houston mobility or something of that nature, moving to Houston, I was coming up page one, number one, which meant that I was found more than the city of Houston, more than, you know, the Greater Houston Partnership, more than anything else. And that was a force to be reckoned with. And... Uh, people wanted to tap into it, they still do, and, and they want me to share that knowledge of how I was able to do that successfully and and sort of consult with them uh, to give them some different pointers and, and help them come up with their own strategies.
1: And I I definitely <coughs> applaud you for that there because of the fact that, you know, it seems as if so much, you know, you know, so many people are not taking advantage of, of that of platform, especially like, especially like what really is crazy is like so many college students is not taking advantage of LinkedIn. You know, because because you know, right now in this economy, you know, they're looking for you know jobs and things like that, and and they're not on their platform that can help them get to that point. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. I mean, it's definitely time-consuming, and and I think that's the number one thing that, uh, you know, I want to be able to to add here is that you do have to commit yourself, that it doesn't just happen overnight. You can't spend five minutes on it. It has to be part of everything that you do if you want to do it successfully. And I know a lot of people say, well, I don't have time to play around with Facebook or play around with this or play around with that. Well, that's the wrong attitude. I don't play around with any of this stuff. I might look like I'm having fun because I do take a lot of fun pictures and do some fun things, but it's, it's all part of my work day. All
1: right. Now, uh, two more questions. Uh, if you had the opportunity to spend uh, one, one day with anyone uh, that you admire outside your family members uh, past or present, who would that be?
0: Oh, gosh, that's a hard one to answer. Um, Probably all of the people would would fall in the category of either musicians, comedians, or actors. Um, Actors, I would probably say Audrey Hepburn, um, Humphrey Bogart, uh, people like that. Um, Musicians would be some of my idols like uh, Pat Benatar, Deborah Harry, Chrissy Hines, Stevie Nicks, um, John Bonham. Uh, comedians, uh, top of my list would be Amy Poehler, because I think we would be just best buddies. I think we, uh, I don't know, I think there's a lot of similarities in her Leslie Note character on Parks and Recreation, with, which my, my best friend and, and writer buddy, Cheryl Howe, pointed out to me about a year ago, and she was spot on. Um, I'd also like to meet uh, probably Chelsea Handler, Melissa McCarthy, Tina Fey, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, you can probably figure out the list, but those are really the people that, that I admire, people that make other people laugh or entertain them in some way.
1: Oh, wow. That's, that's really amazing. And, uh, of course, now, uh, where can uh, people find out more about uh, your, your work?
0: And, of course, are your columns. Yes. So my columns appear each Sunday in the real estate and employment section of the Houston Chronicle. Um, I've written over 150 different articles at this stage for them, so they can certainly go to www.chron.com and do a search within there from Michelle Sandlin, and you'll pull up page after page. Um, my personal website is michellesandlin.com. Uh, it was recently redeveloped and relaunched a couple of weeks ago, so I've got a ton more content uh, to be added to it, but uh, it's a good starting point. And of course, I do encourage people to follow me on, on Twitter, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, like my Facebook pages. I'm very easily found. Uh, just search my name in Google Bing Anywhere, Michelle Sandlin, and you'll find me.
1: Awesome. Well, Michelle Sandlin, I want to say thank you for joining me. On the Word. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with my fellow, with a fellow drummer.
0: Uh, well, thank you. I enjoyed it very much, too, Cheval. Thank you so much for inviting me on today.
1: Awesome. Well, everyone, uh, that is it for today's show. I want to thank uh, both my guests, uh, Tim Hauser and Michelle Sandlin, for joining me on What's Your Word, Uh, the show that's about finding out what motivates people to succeed in their respective career fields. My name is Siobhan John. Uh, Be real and be independent.